everybody. Welcome to another episode of Serially Obsessed. My name is Daisy Rosario. I'm Dipti Sarawit. I'm Layla Carrillo. And we are here to talk about Serial because we're so obsessed with it still. Guys, episode nine, nine. to be suspected. Nine was crazy, I thought, for me. Well, it starts out with some, uh, like a few updates from Sarah. You know, oh, she's do you like want to talk things. about that? Well, before we jump in, let's just kind of quickly explain who we are for somebody who might be listening, you know, starting with episode nine. So my name is Daisy Rosario and I am a public radio producer. Uh, So when I listen to the show, I'm totally paying attention to how Sarah's writing it, to the choices they're making with the sound. Uh, Dipti, what about you? I am an attorney and I used to be a criminal prosecutor and I am Indian. (laughs) <laughs> I am Layla, and I listen to it from a really skeptical point of view. I put my media critic glasses on a lot of the times. So, Actually, can we very quickly talk about what the show started started with, which was Sarah Koenig. Oh, yeah. Today's Pledge donations. Week. Pledge Week. It was Pledge Get Week. Get your tote cereal. bags out, guys. Please text and send money for a season two so that we can have a season two as well. I don't know about you, but I was a little disappointed in that um, because there's been so much news about the show. And like then when she was like, hey, Sarah Koenig here, I was like, oh, is she going to address something about all the like hubbub about the show? Oh, no. And then it was, you know. Kaching. Kaching. money. Which I get. Oh, yeah. These shows are pricey to produce. The bandwidth alone to like keep it downloading Mm. and stuff is so expensive. Absolutely. The only um, weird thing I thought about it was, so not weird to ask for money. I will Mm -hmm. give money. Um, especially because I would like to do another podcast about this. (laughs) But you keep making cereal, we'll keep talking about it. Yes. Um, it was just, I mean, it is how she talks, but it was, um, do you want more? Then I'm going to have to ask you for money. (laughs) That could have been said in a different tone or language, even though she just cut to the chase, which is totally fine. Right. And I am Sarah Koenig fan over here, but (laughs) it was just like, I don't like the way you said that. Yeah. I also thought it was really cute that she was like, the first season was basically out of Ira's pocket. Yes. (laughs) It's like, really? Okay. All right. I don't know how much of it is like directly out of his pocket. Maybe a little bit, but. One other thing really quick. I honestly still don't know what MailChimp does. What is it? It's a mass mailing service. Why can't you just use Gmail? Well, because it, like, like, sends blasts and stuff for, like, newsletters and, like, specific things. So, like, if every second Monday I send a news blast of, like, hey, I've got new stuff on my Etsy market. Don't forget to check it out. Yeah, haven't you ever subscribed to, like, something and you get, like, a newsletter from them? Yeah, unfortunately, to way too many. But um, I think their commercial could be better then because I don't get that from that commercial. I think everyone makes fun of that commercial totally. because it's just so goofy. Yeah. They're just like, hey, let's grab people from the streets. And record it. And record it. And, and it'll hope be cutesy. that people will Google it. MailChimp? Hmm. Sorry, MailChimp. Get Sorry, a better commercial. MailChimp. I mean, not Cereal MailChimp. Made it. Cereal made that commercial, not MailChimp. Oh, yeah. Because it's Sarah yeah. at the very end being like, I use MailChimp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then Dana's like, oh, you do? That's great. I mean, basically with those podcast advertisers. It's like ad copy. Well. They're just reading. No, no they, I they, think they, they get to choose it. how they make it. If yeah. you've listened to other podcasts, yeah. you know, sometimes they break in and they're yeah. like, guys, we're sponsored today by, that's just yeah, them right. deciding how they want to do it. Weird. Weird, so, Sarah. Some are better than others. And there's no way that you can make like a, a serious MailChimp commercial. So I think they just kind of go for like, all right, let's just grab some people and be fine. Yeah. Um, 
episode starts off with Sarah talking to Laura, friend of the gang. She's Total the magnet. Gang one of those friends. Gang friend. I can't even keep track of. There's who too they many are. friends at this point. It's getting to like. Game of Thrones level with me where I can't remember names so I'm just like I'm gonna call her the shoplifter which is in a way I want to refer to Laura because Laura oh, that doesn't is the have funniest justification anymore. of of like a reason like I remember because I used to commit a crime there is like the funniest I love right and thing. I thought that was kind of valid I, she steals CDs and that's how she knows that there's no she's like adamant she's like phone booth no phone booth because Laura's like hey there isn't a payphone. And then Sarah's like, oh, well, but if there isn't a payphone, then what about the 236 call? Like, and then Laura says to her, essentially, well, I guess maybe the cops didn't really go down the 236 call rabbit hole because it's not that important. And then Sarah basically oh, Sarah did. Yeah. loses her mind. She's like, let's, she let's just it. give up on this 236 phone call. What she said was, but no, it is important. It is important. No, you can't discount it. And you know what? I agree, Sarah. Like, you cannot. The entire mm. case rests on 236. What gets interesting is that the 236 call revelation brings a bunch of people out of the woodworks. I mean, now we're what, like right. nine weeks in, right? Which I kind of, you know, kept us expecting to happen. Like, okay, this show has started airing because right. they'll hear it and they'll think something's being misrepresented and they'll want to fix that. Yeah, and so this week was, um, oh, I can't remember her name. I'm going to call her Wrestling Girl. Oh, yeah. Summer. Summer. Summer, yeah. the friend. Summer, hey, the friend. friend. Um, the co-manager. Which I think... Is also really interesting. Well, this changes. This upends a lot of bit about the timeline. This is what we're totally. talking about is when we have people all of a sudden saying that Hay is at the school well after 3 p.m. even. Or like, yeah. like a little bit after 3 p.m. Right. Which for the timeline to make sense, for the whole 2.36 call to make sense, it's like she's like idling in her car waiting for the buses to clear and then is immediately speeding down the road to like get to where which she's going. just didn't happen. Right. One thing that I thought was a little bizarre about this whole thing number two that Sarah talks about is um, that Hay said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to go on the bus because I have to go pick up my cousin. Didn't she have to pick up her cousin every day? Or am I misinformed about I think that? she picked her up almost every day from what I remember, but at the same time, they probably didn't have away matches every day. So right. for the, those people, they're probably not thinking about what she has to do right after class. Yeah, so I mean... We have timelines changing, we have things being written off, we have people kind of chiming in about it, and you can argue both ways in terms of, well, now people are like aware of what they're listening to, so they're gonna say certain things uh, that they either really do think are true or that they kind of think are true to like add on, you know, like I saw some people were saying online like, oh, okay, great, like these updates are interesting, but do we trust them because these are people that are coming at it having already heard the narrative that Sarah's forming. Right, it brings up kind of the, Thing that very much started this whole podcast together and it's like the nature of people's memories right mm -hmm. like when stuff changes when you retell the story again you know that that new information kind of has made its way into the mix so it's like a weird well, game of like telephone in. things yeah. are filled in by other things people. you're told or like photos Absolutely. like people will remember seeing things when they've really seen the photos and totally. stuff like that so yeah. yeah I mean memory is not a clear-cut thing I like the fact that it was stated that Summer has no opinion on Adnan's guilt. Right. Because Either it made way, me yeah. think, okay, no stake. And then uh, apparently all these other people had seen Hay 
Right. Maybe around three. That included her friend Becky, someone named Debbie Warren, and the fact that Summer has no opinion on the guilt. I don't think that Laura has an opinion when she was talking about the phone at Best Buy. She's like, hey, I used to shoplift. Yeah, right. It's just, they have no stake in it. If they want to be part of this podcast, maybe, but I don't I don't think that just being part of something popular is why they're saying something. Right. Um, and so I was really excited when, when Sarah said, can we just put 236 aside? Because yeah, let's yeah. just put I'm 236 out to pasture. Horn right now. And you do say, it and then I'm going to do it. I thought, why are we resting on 236? Oh, the whole time I've been wondering. Right. And, but I thought, oh, it must be something in the trial. We had just started the podcast. None of us knew what was going to come out. And now we know, oh, we don't have to believe in that. Yeah. Right. We've had enough episodes now and enough has been revealed that we didn't. So... Horn to Ted. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to toot my horn because we go back to the other, like, third update is checking in on Kathy, in which Sarah oh, says exactly vindicated. what I said. Vindicated. Exactly I what feel I completely said. vindicated on Kathy. I, she's just one of those people that just, like, just makes mountains out of molehills. Yes. So, Kathy, if you're out there, be Check aware. yourself. Yeah, it's be a little aware bit of both, though. It's be like aware she, that that's who you are. She remembered some of that stuff, but she was adding like a weird weight to parts of it. And like, I totally was like, look, what I think happened is cops started calling one of the friends, and the friends started calling around yeah. to go, have you talked to the cops? The cops are calling people. And that would be a normal reaction to have. Right, and right. that's exactly what we established in this episode. Yeah. And I was on the train going, that's right. Yeah, that's I right. had total fist pump scenario when yeah. she was like, yeah, I don't know. Kathy's like memory's innocuous. I'm like, yes, of course. Kathy, exactly. get out of here, Kathy. Not her, not her, real, not name her real name, Kathy. Not her real name, Kathy. I really did appreciate think, her calling her that. I think overall this whole episode was a little vindicating, actually, because certain things that I thought for various, various theories like that what? I've had, too. Well, one of my theories is alluded to in the prosecution it's about stepping out and the fact mm-hmm. that jay was stepping out has something to do with this murder mm-hmm. at this point i think that jay no longer want to be his friend first of all um i think he's a complete liar and i think that he and possibly adnan did this together yeah some cahoots and I read something from Rabia's blog, which confirmed a suspicion I had. What's that? That there were, uh, the Gutierrez's, the defense counsel's assistant, wrote some notes down. And one of the notes, it's from the assistant. It's not taken from a statement or anything, but they're just some notes. And it says, Adnan told Hay Jay was cheating on Stephanie. And Stephanie wanted to go to... Jay's house, but Adnan knew that he was there with another girl and was trying to stop it. And apparently, Hay was going to confront Jay about it. So, mm-hmm. motive, you know. Before, I thought, well, maybe Jay just mm-hmm. wanted to kill someone who was close to Adnan, but that doesn't really make sense to me because they weren't together anymore. And I right. just didn't fully understand how to put that together. Sure. But I think that maybe if Adnan was involved... Maybe he was like, yeah, I am pissed because we know that there was something amiss recently from those notes. Hay had written in her diary or like a note, like a note to Adnan, stop acting this way. Like people break up, right? And this was right before. Yeah. So something, even though Adnan had moved on, something was amiss. amiss. 
And maybe Adnan was pissed about something. Who knows? And maybe him and Jay did it together. Yeah. That's just a theory. But there's so much meat of the episode to talk about. Well, I think the last few episodes, too, have been kind of wild swings for people in terms of the he did it or he didn't do it, you know? And we have... um, what is it, episode six, where she, where Sarah Koenig recounts, like, the entire, like, prosecution's case, and so many people after that were like, oh my god, I thought he was innocent, now I think he's guilty, mm-hmm. and then you have the next week where she presents the Innocence Project people, and it made a lot of people be like, oh no, maybe he is innocent, and then um, we have episode eight, where we look at Jay in depth, yeah. and it makes people go, okay, now this is much more of an option. I've been waiting to hear about this guy. Totally. Sarah takes us on this. like an emotional roller coaster exactly. yeah. each week. And then this week we get into Adnan's own like personality a bit more. We've had, you know, really kind of like what it was like for him going through the trial. And we also have the whole thing about hey, like they talk about hey in a way that they haven't before, yeah. which Sarah explains the lengths to which they tried to reach Hay's family. Yeah. And then kind of goes off on an aside about the person that Hay was, just kind of humanizing yeah. her a bit do you more. Think, do you think that came out of that Reddit thread? I think it probably written? was a combo of maybe that. Right. And because the whole episode is in general very humanizing of Adnan. We got more descriptions than just he's a nice guy this time. Because if you're going to do an episode that really humanizes him, it would be a bit remiss to not at least talk about the talk victim about, a little yeah. bit as well. I think this was a weepy yeah. episode. Very weepy. I had a lump in my throat. I don't know that the entire episode no. was weepy, but that very chunk, it was like, oh, the last this is sad. 10 it, to 15 minutes right. for me. The whole, like, talking about Adnan's mom mm-hmm. uh, and, and her reaction and Hay's mom and stuff. Bringing up Hay's, like, minimal amount of information. Because I feel like you we get, like, a very small sliver of who she is. Because victims are, like, never really given their time to shine, I guess, for lack of a right. better explanation. Like, we go really in-depth into the suspects and the motives and the killers, but the victim kind of ends up being some backburner stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of sad. I mean, it's just a sad state of reporting, that sad state of people's general interests in... True. I mean, it's a delicate balance, and I know it's definitely, you know, guys, we're going to do a bonus episode, so keep an eye out for it, but I know we definitely want to talk about the moral implications of this whole thing in that episode a bit, but, you know, it was both, I would say for me, it was both nice to hear it a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I also am like, you know, was thinking to myself, okay, what, what is the right amount of this aspect and we'll see how much it comes up in future episodes And the thing is, like, I feel like if this is all we get of hay, I'm okay with that, uh, I'm, I guess I'm just glad that it's like, okay, episode nine, and we finally hear a little bit about Hay and who mm-hmm. she was as a person and her limited time. Yeah, because that really hasn't was... happened much since episode two, where we Ex- hear from her diary. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. here's what I have to say. I have not felt in the series that they have not paid tribute to Hay. We're all I don't... good human beings. We don't wish ill of the dead we don't want oh, to no. disrespect them but... i don't think that they've been disrespectful i just think look it's like episode nine and we're just we just learned about who hey really is in episode nine we had a full episode about jay we had a full episode about adnan several full i mean basically this whole entire podcast is about adnan yeah but i i think that there's not much that they know about hey besides the fact that right. she was 
a great student, a beautiful woman. She had great friends. She was very good to them. Unless they want to delve into like the problems that she had with her mom, then that becomes wrong. I think to do because she did have problems with her mom. That's why she wanted to go to California. Do you really want them to go down that, that rabbit hole? All you can really say is, yeah, she liked Sprite. Yeah, she liked this. She liked this song. She I liked think. very fine apple juice. She and liked hot fries. and hot fries. What more are you like? I we do all think, think that this is nice. probably best discussed in the bonus episode because we could talk about the morals of this all day, and we still have more right. episode nine specific stuff to hit on. So yeah, so yeah, we hear a lot from. SK about Adnan. We hear that he, you know, we hear a lot about his prison life, what it was like during the process of being in the trial. I did think it was really interesting that they talked about his um, lack of awareness, like lack of full understanding of just how big the situation right. was. He's going it's through some huge denial, basically up until the very point that he gets sentenced, right. essentially. Well, um, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily use the word denial because... Maybe maybe after he was convicted, maybe there is where it becomes a bit of denial. But I he he didn't know that he was going to be convicted in his mind. Right, he truly did not know. Oh yeah, but I I'm referring more to even just like okay, so he's in there, he's in there for questioning. He's just sort of like oh, okay, they're they're showing me this Crime Stoppers thing because they're trying to scare me. Like I think I just thought that the wording for this a lot of the time was like, it almost made it sound like he was, I don't know, like playing some weird sort of mental chess along with whatever was happening. I think it was. I think he was being in survival mode. I mean, yeah, yeah. if he truly didn't do it, this lends me to believe more in his innocence and I don't know if he's innocent or not but right, right. I, I I believed him when he was talking when mm-hmm. he was saying yeah I was answering their questions but I, I truly thought I'd be out because if he didn't do it in his mind you're not going to get convicted for something right he, and he also understands he acknowledges he's like well I'm the ex-boyfriend so of course they're going to question me right of like okay well this is something that just has to happen he was more I'll worried through this he was more he was worried, worried about, about his dad, dad yeah finding out that he was dating a nice girl yeah but see like that to me is weird because it's like now you know that hey is not just missing but that she is dead at that point mm-hmm. would you not be like all right f what my dad thinks about yeah. me dating this girl like i don't i don't know i think it's normal i i don't know man if you're dating someone and you find you've dated someone and that person is dead you're more worried about your dad being pissed that you're dating i think if you're 17 yeah not that you're more worried but like in that moment because he found out with his friends and he had a apparently from all accounts uh he was very sad he would like didn't want to believe it he wanted to call the officer he called the detective and everything what we're talking about is later they come to his house and they're sitting down in his living room and trying to have this conversation with him and he's worried about his dad finding out details which to me makes sense because he's gonna be like it's one thing for them to know that he cared about somebody and all of this stuff but they are probably also gonna ask him questions like hey did you guys hang out at this place and what did you do there and blah 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 and it just unravels this whole life Right. That's, I mean, to me, this is one of those moments where I'm like, you guys remember being 17? Like, yeah, yeah it's a big deal. But I it's think also that like, 17 or no 17, I feel like at some point there's like a trump card. I could see my parents were pretty strict when I was 17. And I could 
very much so. I mean, I can't put myself in these shoes. Sure, this is of immersed, course, right? As but much as, yeah. If I thought that my parents were going to be so mad at me for something that they deem morally wrong, even though I knew it wasn't morally wrong, I would be terrified. I also think it might mm. lead him to feel like they're going to question his mourning, right? Because he's probably hiding some aspect of his mourning from them. He can't talk freely about how sad he is. You know, they probably know oh. a friend died, but they don't get that someone he was in love with at some point in his life died. And, right. And so, you know, if they're upset about it, it would also make it harder for him to hide that at home or also, uh, yeah, like survival, not just in the sense of the case, but in terms of getting through how he's feeling about it after if he is innocent. And then, you know, this can uh, upend a lot of that. Well, let's hmm. talk about all of his reactions. So, yeah. so they go through all his reactions were sometimes he was blank. Then he cried in heated waves or right. not at all. And then he was normal. And then he sat in the dark room and then he stared at her picture in psychology class and a teacher tried to hug him and he didn't hug back. Like some of these, oh, and the school nurse. Yeah, the weird like faking the catatonic state. In the first trial, she testified yeah. that she felt he was faking a catatonic state. In the second trial, she wasn't allowed to testify. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, Jim Trainum, who was hired to analyze the case. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, disregard yeah, everything. He's just like, oh, <laughs> everything you just Don't told pay us? attention to this. Don't even worry about that, Sarah. Ignore it. Ignore I think it. this whole analysis of his reaction is all at once interesting and a little unfair. Yeah, because it's true. I think it is subjective. And I think in general, as like a society, we're not good with at dealing with grief right and no. we expect people to grieve in certain ways and then if they don't or if it doesn't fit what it we doesn't, think we don't know how to deal with and it also we're also dealing with the fact that we can't see ednon we're just going on what going he's saying and what people are what people are are saying right like it's just this is a just an audio medium so and quite frankly i think all of those reactions are normal Right? I think so too. Absolutely. Don't I will say any of them. The one thing that to me was sort of like red flaggy, he talks about how after he finds out that Hay has been murdered, he ends up getting like a wave of sympathy from classmates that he then describes as too much. And then later on in the episode, we're told that like Adnan really cherishes the nice people that come into his life. But these nice people are essentially strangers. It's a plainclothes copman that comes into the door and says, like, hey, buddy, keep having faith. There's a dude that looks like Judd Hirsch who gives him a candy <laughs> bar. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, Judd Hirsch would give you a candy bar. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be great. I know, right? I love Judd, Judd, nice Judd Hirsch. Please sponsor our show. <laughs> Please. Um, just you. Just Judd Hirsch. We would love to figure out a way to do a commercial of our own style right. where we just honor we'll Judd, Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch commercial. Um, and then, right, and then there's, like, the lady in the bus. I mean, they're mm -hmm. just, like, these random people. And to me, that was, like, oh, that's a little weird. I this is another one where I'm on the complete opposite of you because the difference between the two is that in the latter situation, when it's the little niceties that he's remembering from being locked up, is that it's that they are kind of small and indirect. And, and like, like, he's, he's in, on his way kindness. to something horrifying exactly but yeah. having been through quite a lot of grief in my life you know like remembering after my dad died and all of these things it's like part of what drives me or drove me crazy in those situations was that it always felt like people were saying the exact opposite thing I needed them to say 
uh, it was very much more like, oh, you're saying this stuff so that you feel good about having said something, but what you just said is actually the most frustrating thing you could have said to me. Or I'm just out trying to have a good time and forget about it, and people are like, hey, let's really get into this right now. And I'm like, right. no. no. Uh, and they think they're being really kind and concerned, but most people say really wrong stuff to you sure. after someone dies. Yeah, and I do, like, I will say that I mention that as being like a curious thing to me knowing full well that like knock on wood like I haven't really had any like serious some like mm-hmm. grief oh you are like, lucky yeah. I am I am I am God, I am, I am. So much. I'm gonna yeah. knock on every piece of wood for the rest of the day but knock yeah like on. I haven't had like a like a moment where I'm like oof I'm super grief stricken about this thing or like something horrible has gone wrong no, um, usually when I the times I've been in grief I would say all the people that cared about me most annoyed me the most. And the things that meant the most to me were the really tiny things that people did without right. being that aware of them, actually. Right. That's why I'm like, oh, yeah. I thought that was interesting. But also I'm like, I don't know, because I don't really have the entire lens of like, right, yeah, maybe after a while it does become too much where, you know. Well, I don't think that's always the case. I definitely think that's like your personal experience. Um, I've had all sorts of annoyances and non-annoyances in some cases something's annoying and in some cases it isn't so i don't think you can like globalize i think you sure. can just personal but he was experience. talking about his classmates right so like let's put it in the context of that if it's not his closest friends who like really get him all the people in school that he just knows vaguely are probably bringing it up in ways that he doesn't want to talk about See, and that would sometimes add up, i know? i find that nice and comforting that someone took one minute out of their day and just you. said I know I don't really know you, but I'm really sorry. Nobody said, I know I don't really know you to me, mm-hmm. but essentially that's what they're saying, or we're sure. not close anymore. And I I have found that um, comforting. My point is not to discount anyone's acceptance of grief and condolences or anything like that. I just think it's, I think that Adnan, yes, very well could have been irritated by those kids, like Daisy saying, yeah. or he couldn't have. I don't know, but there's no... Well, to me, there's also a difference between like, adults and kids and I just don't picture a bunch of random high schoolers you know like but the, like probably their core group and they've kind of alluded to this like their core group was leaning on each other and then you just have like this huge swath of kids that you're just like in a building with all the time right so I could see how just walking down a hall person after person yeah a lot of It'd those be- moments are going to be impersonal and stuff and you never know who's gonna I mean absolutely I've had the experience so many times where somebody that I don't expect or whatever ends up saying the best thing. It's just but, so you know, nice that's not, sometimes. But it's like, you know, that's not necessarily the same as like walking down the hall and you see everybody giving you that look and, you know, it's adding up all at once and kind of the microcosm that is a high school and being stuck in that experience. Right. My throat is like closing up just thinking about how sad this is. Like, it's just so awful what everyone in that school is going through. In a weird way, too, not just the people who are closest to her, right. but when you're a little further removed and, and you're like, I have walked down these halls with this, this right person. person. The yeah. severity it, of the crime and the randomness, every, the seeming it, randomness and of the, it. The, yeah, the the um, violence of it mm-hmm. that yeah. can affect... They didn't know who did it. It could be someone who... A stranger who could come after any of them. Exactly. Just imagine right. what that school was tormented I've with. I've thought about yeah. that a lot about, you know, especially when we hear from kind of the random friends of like how much this would color their memories yes. of that time. You know, I look back at high school and... Man, I had a great high school experience. I wasn't expecting to have a great high school experience, but I did. And, 
you know, they might have been having a great time, but they'll never be able to look back on their senior year and that whole time period in their lives yeah. without this remembering being this huge that, yeah. aspect of it. Right. Absolutely not. And yeah, it's it's in in a weird way, it is just almost weirder when you're peripheral. And that's why a lot of these peripheral people, I think, are coming, coming out. out. It's yeah. like, you know what? They may not have some other intention. They're mm-hmm. just like... No, I know that I'm not like in that circle, but I was there and I experienced things and I know there wasn't a phone. Like I know there was, right. by the way, on the phone note, somebody tweeted at me about the Best Buy and that he uh, shops at that oh, Best Buy. Oh, he still Buy. shops at that And Best I Buy. said, was there a phone there? And he says, I don't remember a phone, <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. So we're getting social media confirmation. Yeah. Confirmation. There is not oh, a phone. Another thing uh, that Adnan talked about in terms of, I had no idea that I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison was when he said, I have an assignment due on Monday. He right. had this yeah. annotated bibliography. And I, I, know, I thought in my head, this is so dumb, but I thought, I would have been really excited to get out of that. I wouldn't have thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison, but like <laughs> anything to get out of having to do like, something. I don't have to write this like, paper anymore. I don't. Well, this is a relief. I have such a good excuse to get yeah. out of turning that in, even yeah. though obviously I would have rather turned in that and, been, <laughs> and not my life have gone to jail. But I did think that, ooh, at least he got out of that. Here's another. Uh, so now that you mentioned the jail. He has all these friends in jail. He's got, like, that breakfast club going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has a great... Not, okay, I don't want to say he has a great life. That's a terrible thing to say, but he doesn't have you a know terrible what? life. Though. I was going to say... I was like, this sounds really... Like, sh- you had a better omelet for breakfast than <laughs> I've had for a few weeks. All things considered, it doesn't sound like the worst prison experience. It doesn't yes. sound like... From what we know means. of From prison. what we know. Right, right, right. It seems like he's got friends that like kind of look out for him and stuff like basically president of student council there he got the distinguished gentleman's award guys that's all his goodness in the past 15 years in prison that um people have stated to sarah and, and all of that made me think that he I feel that if, if this didn't happen and he grew up normal, he would have become a much more devout religious person and basically led the life that his parents wanted him to lead. And he would have just looked back at high school as, oh, those crazy days. When like his rock springer. His like, yeah. He, <laughs> his, it just would have been a blip in his life where he was like, oh, I was a bad kid back right, then. And, right. and he would have, because even in prison, I how does he keep the faith? It's amazing. You have to, though. I would say that maybe... Maybe, Because he brings it up a little bit that, like, in jail, you kind of need it more than you would in the regular world. I mean, think of it this way. And I say this having... My father was in and out of prison my entire life. And when he would talk about it, you could tell from the tone of his voice, from the look on his face, I mean, just how awful an experience it was. Like, he hated it, and he never wanted to go back and didn't stop him from doing things that would take him back sometimes. But um, you either make the best of it or you take yourself out. Lots of people try to kill themselves. So you have to find a way to exist within it, to be okay within it. We also, you know, for my job on the show that I work on, we just did a huge piece about um, a bunch of people in prison for life, a bunch of guys in in for life. Uh And they spend... All of their time, I mean, it's a very special program, but they spend all of their time working 
prison jobs and extra prison jobs where they only get paid something like 17 or 37 cents an hour and they do it and they donate all of that money to a scholarship that they give to kids that like are from their neighborhoods that they don't want to end up like them. So they have all had to find a very positive thing to focus on mm, to get through their day to day. And I mean, like if you uh, look at like a lot of information about prison, like people go into groups or they create a family and, you know, they either in groups by race or they get religious or whatever, because you have to have something else to hang it on to. Survive. Right. Right. Some sense of community, some sense yeah. of belonging to something. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, still, I, yeah, I mean, I think what's also interesting is that he brings up that his parents are, see that he's doing okay and that they're kind of, that they've sort of accepted this as, a thing that's happened and right. accepted it. I mean, it as has a, been 15 years. It's been 15 years, so I assume How do you that, fight and kick and scream every day for 15 years? Right. It's yeah, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to like kind of accept and go with the flow. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, because I wasn't sure where it was going when they started this, but I was like, oh, this makes sense to me, of like him saying it would actually be easier on them if I did it in a way yeah. because then they would know I was here instead of it feeling like this completely random injustice. Right. Yeah. You that know? was so uh, interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. At the first time I heard it, I was like, wait, what? And then uh, as I kind of like turned it around in my head, I was like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see how he would assume that of his parents. Cause I imagine that my parents would probably be in that same boat where they'd be like, all right, well, you fucked up and that's why you're in jail. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, you... We brought you here for a better life and now you've randomly ended up... And now you've randomly ended up in jail, like yeah. through no fault of your own. Not to ignore the reason why he said that, though, was the prompt, which I thought was super powerful. What was it? It was Sarah Koenig talked to a prosecutor, not the prosecutor, but just a prosecutor... And about the case, and the prosecutor said, of course Adnan can't admit to it. Oh, right. He's in prison, and he's put his family Family through all of that. And at that moment, I thought, wow, that is guilt. You know, not that that determines guilt, but you know what I mean. And then Adnan came back with that response, and it was just one of those things where this podcast just takes me on such a roller coaster ride and like from one right. second to the next I have different feelings like guilty not guilty guilty not <laughs> guilty guilty I, yeah. I mean I don't know how much time Adnan had to think about that or right. if it just came to him he's obviously a very intelligent person and mm-hmm. and actually really knows how to control his rage if he ever had any he's very calm of course he gets a little upset with Sarah throughout the series but he seems the way that he said, you know, I'm not hungry. I, I have a good life. This isn't the one that my parents wanted for me, but it is what it is. It just, it really goes to show when religion is a wonderful thing. I think it also, I, I think he said something like this, but, you know, he was like, he lived he lived in his parents' house and now he lives yeah. in prison. And I do think that that, in a way, it would have been an easier adjustment for him because it's not like he... He's a ward of his family. Yeah, and then the ward he of was his living state. this life where he had to be yeah. in by a certain time where he, he did he did certain things he wanted, but he had to do it all within this existing framework and he hadn't right. been truly free on his own. Yeah. And so, like, I could see... Yeah, how know, it's, like... Finding your place in that. Adaptable yeah. for him to do that because he's... Yeah, because you're right. He's always had to do that. Going back to your rage control thing, I sometimes, to me... His ability to be a little nonchalant and removed about 
things yeah is troubling to me i think it's bothersome to everyone but now that we've had this conversation it makes a little more sense because mm-hmm. Is he supposed to freak out every conversation? Every no, I don't think he's supposed to freak out during every conversation, but I feel like he doesn't freak out hardly ever. I feel like the other thing and for I me then, that question though, is is a production question because I, I don't know when we're hearing interviews that happen the same day versus interviews that happened at different points. Right. We don't know, you know, the order in which they talked about these yeah, things. But Did it come up out of nowhere or was even it like still, deep in it? I just, I feel like even still, there are moments where I just, like, I would have expected his voice to drop and get a little sad. And again, I understand, like, we are dealing with just an audio medium. Mm-hmm. He could be a very kind of stoic person. Maybe he... Like he's maybe he's like a more physically expressive person than he is a verbally expressive person. It's possible. So I do take that into account, absolutely. But I feel like there are moments where I'm like, you're talking about this in such a detached fashion, like so detached. And I understand you've been in jail for 15 years, whether you did it or not. But like, there's got to be something that moves you a little. I thought that through the whole series until this episode, and again, this is not to say whether I think he's guilty or innocent, but now at least I understand why he doesn't freak out. Um, and and, and that he can even make a joke. That cell phone story with T-Mobile, like, was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and um, where... Yeah, the, so the lady's trying to go to your problem with a cell T-Mobile phone. store. Yeah, it Just was... Just go to the store. He's like, I can't I really can't go to the store. He's yeah, making no. prison jokes with Sarah. <laughs> that was, like, so funny. But that actually made me think, you can have a cell phone in prison? No. no he got it taken away, but you can hide him. Haven't you seen Orange is the New Black? Not the second That's all season. I will say. No. I don't think it was in the second season. Oh. But, yeah. But, yeah, we have to wrap up. So are there any major things we have not touched on that either of us, uh, any yeah. of us can touch on? Uh, at the sentencing. Yes. Uh, Hay's mother yes. gives that beautiful, beautiful Korean proverb about burying your parents in the ground, but your child's always in, in your, your heart. heart. Yeah. And Adnan said that, you know, he, I thought it was, it just really struck me when he said, I've never felt hated before in mm-hmm. my life. And right. I know that some people definitely dislike me, but I don't, I personally have never felt that there's a consensus of hatred against me. And, and he was Mr. Popular Guy, and no yeah. one probably, oh, yeah, had, probably had hated never him. experienced that. So, right. That is weird. Like, these but, people have legit reason to want you to go to hell. Right, you that's know? true. But, like, on the flip side of that, he's still getting letters from his friends, friends that were friends with him and Hay. You know, like, it's not yeah. like all of his friends were like... Yeah, I don't know that that's the but flip Hay's side as mom. much as an us side. Because it's just like, it's like you just have this intense moment sure. where the room is tense and quiet. And you're And this woman there. is like, the yeah. proverb is beautiful. And then she specifically is like, I cannot, I cannot forgive you. And it's aimed at you, and it's like here's right. the mother of someone you cared about. Like, right? It would take that. And that but would the be thing is, moment. I'm sure he's never really even met her. I mean, no, I'm not trying no. to discredit that it didn't move him. I'm sure it did. I just think it would have been far harder if like everyone just dropped him, and it didn't. Oh seem yeah, like it would that be. But I just don't think that that, that means. I think know, maybe that, that moment would it be hard because that's the moment he's describing in the le- like he's talking very much about that specific moment. Yeah. I think just it was ma- mainly Hayes' mom. Like, yeah. she, he was just saying, like, so this, moved woman by this woman hates me. And how painful that must have been. And then 
the judge's words yeah. to him after right. the sentencing for right. life was uh, had about the manipulation down. and how he like yeah. manipulated and her and had her follow him to her death. Which Ugh. to me then like the minute I hear that from the judge, I immediately flash back to like, oh, I have a bunch of friends in jail and like everything's great and like we have little parties and stuff and I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, he's just this super charismatic guy who can just that make sociopath stuff a lucky work. sociopath. Maybe Sarah yeah. needs to get as herself much as, to Vegas. As much as Deirdre made a point about, you know, the odds not being in Sarah's favor <laughs> yeah. and having that. I think yeah. it's something that people in general Sarah gets always have in the back of their mind when listening to this show. I think that's that's definitely you see it online, you see it on the boards, you see it people talking about it. Like right. the idea of but is he maybe a sociopath is still very strong in people's minds. Last thing I want to touch on myself is his thought about his own mom, like watching Hayes' mom talk about this uh, to him in the courtroom. And then he also thinks, but my mom is losing her son too. There's this awful thing that happens. And then we have to, in our you know quest for justice or to avenge mm-hmm. something, make another awful thing happen that doesn't necessarily have to be happening. You know, like if, if Adnan is innocent, his family doesn't also need to be going through this turmoil because Hayes' family is going through turmoil. If he's innocent, you know what I mean? Right. And so if that's if he is innocent and that's the position he's looking at it from, then it's like, wow, he lost someone he cares about and now his family's being torn up too. Like, why why right. does this have to Snowball. keep going, keep going, keep going? Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we end, I just want to give an update on something really interesting that I read. Uh, my friend Haley sent this to me. It's from the Columbia Journalism School. Apparently, the Innocence Project at UVA is... Um, putting in front of the court a, a petition to have the uh, PERC test done. That's the physical evidence uh, recovery kit mm-hmm. at, to be used on hay to test for possible sexual assault in 1999. Because even though it was tested for sperm, it was never tested for specific DNA. Oh, oh. I see. And if the court allows that and they find DNA and it's not Adnan's, he gets exonerated and can get out. And they have two potential suspects already. Interesting. Oh, that's so one really is a, a, someone who raped an Asian woman in Baltimore shortly after Hay. And, um, and he went to prison and committed suicide in prison, but they still have his DNA. And the other one, they're not naming who the suspect is. But I thought that was Whoa, very, very that interesting. That is really interesting. You have to stay tuned for that. Um, these are things we should be looking out for because there is so much other news coming out of this. Yeah. yeah. This has been episode nine. nine. For us, it's 109. And we will be back after Thanksgiving. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.